Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. My name is Marshall. All right, Marshall. Normally, you like to start off with the things going on. Mm. I mean, yesterday happened. Yeah. That's the time period we're in. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the here and now, folks. Yeah. yeah I, I have no notes before me. I brought my computer in case I wanted to Google a name or something. Oh, that's that's probably wise. I probably should have done that, but yeah, we'll see. I was making a statement. Yeah, I I I am. I just wrote my Hebrew exam mm-hmm. the, the the day before we record this, and so I am done with notes for for a day or two. <laughs> I am. Uh, so I'm going. I'm I'm off. Uh, yeah, I'm off the leash. I am just. I don't even know. Riding free. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> just for today. Right. And then get back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Because today we're just essentially just talking about where things are at. Yeah. Where where is the church at now? Mm-hmm. In in its current state, where are things at? Yeah. And to be honest with you, this is so much the kind of conversation that we live in. Oh yeah, for sure. That. 30 seconds ago, you were like, hey, can I talk to you about a thing? And instead of responding, I was just like, let's just record it. Right. <laughs> let's just have the conversation on the Fair air. Fair enough. Alex, Alex was giving me a little bit of uh, the sideways, like, I know people like it. They're not complaining. Mm. But these, these episodes are getting longer and longer. Right, right. We either need to own that and do it intentionally or just stop running over. <laughs> right. <laughs> this could be a three hour podcast. Well, this, I brought this lunch. Could. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, like, I think in evaluating where we're at, because we're not really talking about history at this point, we're talking mm-hmm. about our the current state. You know, this is going to be particularly subjective. Oh, yeah. Right. This is, mm-hmm. this is kind of you and I speaking about things that we see around us and contextualized. Yeah, yeah, in our context, which is going to be you know somewhat different from certain listeners' context, because right? because it's what we know. Yeah, and and we don't even know it's what we see. Yeah, I think right? that's a good way to you could define it. you could run into a situation where we could we could tout someone, mm. a group, mm. whatever, only mm. to find out that next week mm. it's uncovered that it was all a facade (laughs) and everything collapsed to the ground right like that's yeah that's the kind of world that we're in at this point Mm -hmm. and and people would be like oh well tim and marshall said that that was a good thing and now look this thing is right this thing has happened or or they said that that was a bad thing but now look at how Mm. how god ended up doing this major work through it Mm -hmm. um why were you holding the position that you held Mm -hmm. it's because we are also finite Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start with uh, sweeping generalizations of groups we're not a part of. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. Uh, because they've been a part of the history mm-hmm. for so long, mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. Yeah. The Catholic Church has had probably since John Paul II, since and including John mm-hmm. Paul II, uh, theologically liberal popes mm-hmm. who are universalists. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been very peculiar and been very difficult for some Roman Catholics. Yeah. Like for the first time, I mean cuz again this is kind of our modern context, but you have 
you know, I've seen it online where, you know, you have a news story drop about, you know, the Pope says that, you know, Muslims will go to heaven too or whatever. Right. right. And, and you have these, these guys who are Roman Catholic and serious about mm-hmm. their Roman Catholicism and they're struggling because they're like, okay, I'm not a Protestant because I affirm, you know, the apostolic heritage of the papacy and blah, 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 blah. And they speak ex cathedra and all these things speak on behalf of the church. But like, this is so out of left field from what historical Roman Catholicism teaches right. that I don't know what to make of this. And this is, this, this is stuff going on right now. Yet at the same time, mm. they hold very strictly to uh, the execution of their faith. Yes. So, so at the same time, so, so this, is, this is the bizarre world the Catholic Church is in right now. Mm. Muslims are going to heaven, but there was a guy in Michigan who found out that the pastor who baptized him, he, was, he himself is a priest yeah. now, yeah. and he saw a video of his own baptism as a child. Mm-hmm. At a, you know, mom brought it out. Hey, let's watch your baptismal video. And him being a priest, he realized the guy that baptized me said the wrong words in the wrong order, kind of a thing. Very slight mistake, right. but he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it goes to like regional council yeah, on like whether or not, <laughs> whether or not this priest is saved mm-hmm. and what comes of all of the people he's baptized. And married and given communion to and last rites to and everything else. Yeah. Right, right. So wild. So there's this there's this wild world of Oh man. There's this wild world of like strict by the letter, yet anything goes. It's so strange. And that's just kind of where the Catholic Church is right now. Yeah. And and to be honest, it it seems like what's what's going on is that there's a real focus on traditional Catholic Catholic morality, and we're going to talk later about how that cultural morality is shifting. Yeah, uh, but traditional Catholic morality and practices, yet belief is up in the air. Right. We're going to do the next episode is going to be us trying to play prophet and guess what's going to happen next. <laughs> so I don't want to get into too much where that would lead. Yeah, yeah, we'll hold off. But I don't think it's hard to see where that might lead. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Right? Um, how about Eastern Orthodox and its various expressions? I've got a couple observations. Yeah, my my strongest experience with the Eastern Orthodox Church is the Russian Orthodox Church. Okay. Um. And I don't think I don't think the war is doing them any favors. No, I think that um, there's a lot of linkage between that group and the surrounding former Soviet bloc. Yeah, and although Ukraine and Georgia and many of these other groups were already Westernizing, mm-hmm. Belarus is still politically siding with Russia, but the people aren't mm. at all, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's one guy in all of Belarus who is for this war, and he happens to be the president, <laughs> right? This is not going to push people into evangelical Christianity per se. 
um, or isn't pushing his will in next episode. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that's true, but I think it is push go it is pushing them further and further away from mm. this entity that they still that they've now connected to Soviet right like there's right. a political socio political right. position connected to the church that they don't want to be a part of, mm. and so it is being rejected as is their Soviet history, right? seeing the two as the same. right? They still, just like in Quebec, they still use the word cult for evangelical mm-hmm. uh, denominations. I don't think that's going to change any time soon. No. But I don't think that this war is doing the Eastern Orthodox Church any favors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I had similar thoughts about that. And the other, the, the other thing that's kind of maybe a little out of left field, again, just something I've observed online, is it, it's a small number, but the, the, but but even w- even when there's a small number of people doing something, but it's so extreme, it's it makes it notable mm-hmm. that some some guys, mostly guys that from what I've seen uh, interacted with, I'm sure there's women as well that that have made this transition, but who've kind of been raised in kind of uh, generic vanilla evangelicalism have actually gone Eastern yeah. Orthodox, the Bible answer guy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, so the, I think the appeal for e- within Eastern Orthodoxy is that they do have their their doctrine laid out mm-hmm. in a very systematic way. We would obviously disagree with certain points of it, but I would say it's uh, doctrinally they're more favorable than the Roman Catholic Church for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, still, some major issues I would say, but but they've got that, and then they've got that that tradition, that ancient tradition that's passed down. And, and some people just, especially in a world where culture is constantly changing all the time, it's a new thing, new this, right, new that. Right. Some people take a great deal of solace and comfort in the tradition, being mm-hmm. like, we do this thing the way it's been done for a thousand years. Yeah, right? and, and I, I think not just tradition, I think also religiosity, mm. right? So we use... We use that oftentimes. Uh, it gets thrown out in evangelical circles as a negative. Not everyone thinks it's a negative, right? Some people like the pomp and circumstance. Yeah, it draws them to the grandeur of the God that they serve, mm-hmm. the beauty of the service, mm-hmm. and it's humbling to be in this place where no, we're going to go in and we're going to follow this strict structure in this very beautiful way mm-hmm. because we are that far beneath, right? Right. And it is it is kind of an antithetical swing mm. from, you know, the fog machines and the lights and, and all of that stuff where we're just singing about like, hey, God, guess what? Today's your lucky day. Guess what I'm going to do for you, right? Right. right. I'm, yeah. I'm committing to you for mm-hmm. all of time. Mm-hmm. Lucky you. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it, it is kind of a swing in that direction, and and there's there's some appeal. I I think part of me wonders, and, I, and this isn't to belittle anyone who's made that transition. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders if they see that and they think, but I can't go Catholic because I know Catholic, 
Right. Eastern Orthodox is so far removed from Western culture. It's mysterious. That it's, <laughs> right, it's mysterious, and it might be that sort of untapped thing. Right, right, right. And at what point of being a part of and investigating and finding out, oh, mm. this is also Catholic, mm-hmm. um, will that change? Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but I threw up uh, a meme not long ago where and it wasn't a meme it was a it was a shared tweet that someone said they're torn because they want to build a building that would make a presbyterian mm. jealous mm-hmm. right like just this beautiful mm-hmm. grandeur of a church mm-hmm. that just is is itself beautiful yeah it screams I, the glory and transcendence of god right i preached last week god gives us the capacity to appreciate and create beauty as an act of worship. Sure. And I I want for that. Mm-hmm. I drive past Presbyterian churches and Catholic churches and I just think it's I I wish we still built churches like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then there's the practical Baptist side of me that says you know, how many millions of dollars and to build it today extra to go from mm-hmm. A dry, warm facility to a beautiful, dry, warm facility. Right. And could that money have been spent elsewhere? Mm-hmm. And so you end up supporting the whole like strip mall, <laughs> store frontage kind <laughs> right, of a church, right? right? right and right, and you right. just feel that, that tear of the practicality mm-hmm. of getting the word out and, and the, the building doesn't matter, but also there's just something so beautiful and special mm-hmm. about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if if I was ever given the opportunity to lead a Baptist church in an old Catholic, Presbyterian, or Lutheran building, mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be joy. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's let's talk a little bit then about those those early, those like historical... Um, denominations that came out of the Reformation era. era. We're kind of going in, in, mm-hmm. in historical order, I guess, to some degree. Yeah. Right? Hey. So let's talk about Lutherans. Let's talk about Anglicans. Maybe we shouldn't lump them together. Maybe we should. Yeah. I think there's a lot of commonalities within those groups. Mm-hmm. And the commonalities between those two groups is that there is a great deal of diversity within those groups. Right. Right. So, so again, I, you know, I met some people this past summer up at Muskoka Bible Center and, you know, they were asking, oh, you know, what church are you part of? And, you know, I told them and I asked what part, what, what church are you from? They're like, oh, well, we attend an Anglican church in Ottawa. And I just thought to myself, what in the world are you doing here then? Right. Right. But they're like, well, we're not that kind of Anglican. We're, you know, our pastor is actually involved with TGC and these other organizations and he preaches the gospel. We believe in the authority of scripture, mm-hmm. you know? And so what you have is, I mean, in, in, in the con- Canadian context, you have two different Anglican churches and, and people might not recognize this, but you have kind of the, the main body of Anglican churches, mm-hmm. which has really fallen into liberalism. Like mm-hmm. I was at a, I was at a funeral a couple of years ago in, a, in an Anglican church and they were like using non gender specific pronouns for God and reading native American prayers. It was just like, it was bad, man. It was mm-hmm. real bad. But there's also Anglican churches that are like really doctrinally conservative and, and, you know, and while they might do things like infant baptism and whatnot that, you know, we as Baptists wouldn't be on board with, like, 
we could go to that church, we could attend a service there and be blessed by what goes on, right? Um, and and even have a degree of fellowship with with congregations like that, where we could partner in certain certain endeavors, right? Yeah. In, in the same way that we do with the CRC, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think to some degree that Luth- that's maybe true in the Lutheran Church as uh, well. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, there. There's a Lutheran pastor here in town mm. who came uh, 2019, I think. Okay. <clears throat> and when he was when he was brought to the church here, um, he looked me up uh, to go out to lunch. He had read a couple of things that I had written for the Gospel Coalition. Knew that he was moving to the same. Can I say small town? Is that offensive to Stratfordians? It's fine. Uh, and so he was just like, "Hey, let's let's get together." Mm. Um, so we did. We we met over lunch, and uh, I was I was a little bit surprised that a Lutheran pastor would be reading TGC. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but he's he's a really solid guy. Sticks. Martin Luther was very particular. He was. And so to say. <laughs> Martin Luther would have recommended this guy. I can't say that right. because there might have been some minor particular that sure. he would have gotten hung up on in a Zwingli kind of way and just sure. thrown it all away. Uh, but very much in that vein, yeah, that traditional Lutheran vein. Mm-hmm. And his point was to say, if you want to understand what it's like at our church, basically consider this. It is the beauty and practice, uh, the, the beauty of Catholicism, mm. but we really believe the gospel. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you went to a Catholic service mm-hmm. and they preached the gospel, that's what it would be like to come to my church. Mm. I was like, fair enough, right? Yeah. Paints, um, paints picture. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I did a, a, a joint funeral with a Lutheran pastor in Toronto. Okay. And... Uh, we agreed to it. It wasn't a big deal. Um, it was at the church that I pastored. Mm-hmm. So I brought the message from Scripture. He brought a prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was nothing conflicting in it, so we, we agreed to it. Uh, and, and the son of the deceased was like, I appreciate you guys doing this. I mean, really, it's, it's kind of the same thing wrapped up in different clothes, right? And the Lutheran pastor's like, no. It's not. <laughs> right. Good for him. So yeah, right, right. Yeah. So like he was he was willing to say, no, we're we're far more into where where we say liberal theology and we mean something negative. Mm-hmm. And for someone to say you're you're getting into liberal theology, we'd be like, Why are you coming at me? Right. <laughs> right. For them it's just a title of theology. Mm-hmm. Right, and so he would openly say, "No, we're we teach liberal theology mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we believe in it." Right, right, and I'm sure in their camps they would say conservative orthodoxy feels to them like some discredit. Right, right, and they wouldn't want to be accused. Right, of that. Whereas of being evangelical. Whereas we would we would take that as. A label of pride, right? Right. Of that same kind of flip. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I had an Anglican attending the church in Toronto mm-hmm. for a very long time, mm-hmm. and 
she and I were always having these conversations. We got to know each other really well. The conversations were always like, how can you believe that is kind of how they ended up. Mm-hmm. And after multiple years of this, I finally just said, question for you. Why are you here? Mm. Like, if, mm. if you're, if everything we talk about, we disagree on. I'm just curious. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm. I just want to know why. Yeah, fair enough. She said, her response was beautiful. She said, for the last three years, I've been trying to figure out if you're persuasive or if you're right. Mm. You know? <laughs> and so she was, she was hearing things that she wasn't hearing in the Anglican church. Right. Authority of Scripture was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the accuracy of Scripture. Right. Did God actually create, or mm-hmm. is this evolutionary process? Mm-hmm. Um, the need to submit to God in His order mm-hmm. and not follow society and what's best for us. Basic tenets of liberal theology versus orthodox evangelicalism. Right, right. And uh, it was so vastly different she was she was British, right? Right. So she grew up in the Anglican Church and moved here as an adult, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and just really sort of torn mm-hmm. in that because it was it was vastly different than mm-hmm. any Anglican Church, at least in our end of town, right? That Lower Etobicoke, yeah, kind of kind of side. So I, I think that's a a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, those groups have have gone pretty far mm-hmm. that way. But some haven't. Some within those groups have, like, yeah. and that's the thing. And you just don't, you don't necessarily know. There are, there are differing groups that have emerged, mm-hmm. right? I think geographically too, and this kind of transitions. Whether it's like you know, in the case of uh, Anglican, Lutheran, uh, Methodist as well. Mm-hmm. Like what, what some, what right. has happened in some of these instances too, is you have these kind of like world councils, right? Because these churches, these Lutheran and Anglican and Wesleyan churches, sent missionaries. Right to different parts of the world, like Africa, mm-hmm. and planted churches successfully. Churches that have grown into these massive denominations. Churches that have, you know, you have more practicing, you know, Methodists in Africa than in the states or Britain, mm-hmm. right? And so then they come together for these big conversations, like, "Hey, we're going to affirm transgenderism," right? And the African Methodists are like, "No, we're not," right? Right? And so you have this the the, the balance of power has shifted because the center of Christianity. I think still resides in North America for now. Well, and when I say North America, I'm being generous to Canadians. It's in the States right now. <laughs> but that but that might be shifting. Well, now we're now I'm getting to next week's. Yep. It's hard. There, there's a there's an, a degree of weight in the amount of believers that live in other parts of the world. Right. Right? And and Christianity, you know, for a lot of people, there's been this kind of stigma that like Christianity is the white man's religion. That is not the case anymore. Right. It never really was, um, but it's definitely not anymore. And That's hugely true with Pentecostalism, but mm-hmm. we're not there yet. If, if we're if we yeah, started yeah. on the timeline, yeah, yeah, yeah no. so we're yeah, so we're still we're still getting there. So the next would be the Presby- Anabaptist. Oh yeah, sure. The Brethren kind yeah. of churches. Yeah. Because mm. um, because I would say Presbyterians in Canada mm-hmm. are very much in line with the Lutheran Anglican. Yeah. Some of them mm-hmm. are holding down the fort mm-hmm. and some of them mm-hmm. have swung. And, and I just yeah. want to say this. I have so much respect mm. for those guys who 
have decided to stay in their denomination. And, yeah. And to and, and the congregations because it's not just it's not just pastors. There are mm-hmm. congregations mm-hmm. who have said no. This is who we were and it's who we are. Mm-hmm. And even if we're being mislabeled because the greater body of our people mm-hmm. have gone this way, mm-hmm. if we don't remain, mm-hmm. then there is no remnant of truth and no voice of truth, mm-hmm. and it goes entirely off the rails. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Huge, huge support mm-hmm. for those guys. I don't know mm-hmm. that I would or could make that decision. Yeah. I have some very dear friends that have chosen to make a different decision mm-hmm. because they just decided that mm-hmm. voice had become insignificant and right. there was no longer uh, that mutual agreement of mm-hmm. faith that mm-hmm. bonded them. Yeah, And so they left. That's yeah. That's also... A very brave and important statement to make. Uh, I think it's just one of those situations where there are no winners. Yeah, in the case of yeah, in the case of Presbyterianism, one thing that is actually happening locally is some of the the, the smaller and more um, theologically conservative Presbyterian denominations from the states mm-hmm. that have split off the the big ones, like PCUSA, for example, has gone out out to left field. Um, but some of these smaller ones, like ARP and OPC. Um, these smaller denominations are actually planting congregations locally. So I'm, I know some guys who are Presbyterians in Woodstock, but they're not at the big red brick Presbyterian church on the, you know, on the main street mm-hmm. They're you know, they're meeting, you know, in a school basement or something. So there is an influx because in South of the border, the you, Presbyterianism kind of exists on both ends of the extreme um, theologically. Um, and so you have some guys that are like, I mean, they extremely conservative on a lot of issues, um, and then you have kind of the the mainline variety as well. So yeah, and and that's where I think if if a Presbyterian, if someone was listening to this in the states, mm-hmm. they would find our lumping in of the Presbyterians to mm-hmm. be very strange. Sure, like really strange. Mm-hmm. Be- there's a video going around right now. I think you shared it, right? Like did, if your yeah. algorithm hits you as a theology nerd, <laughs> where this guy plays the role of different denominational churches within what they're gonna a do community and what they're going to do on the on Christmas Day. Yeah. And the Presbyterian guy is like, we will meet because it's the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it right. Yeah, with superior theology and with, then looks at the camera. With right? superior theology and according to the regulative principle, mm-hmm. which if you don't know what the regulative principle is, uh, when it comes to constructing a church service, regulative principle is if the Bible doesn't command it, it's wrong to do it. Right. Right? So it's a very strict structure mm-hmm. on how they even order their service. Yeah. That's his view of the Presbyterians, mm-hmm. which is a good, accurate American view. Yeah. It's not it's not our experience here in Canada. No, it's not. It's a pretty different thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like you said a lot of those Presbyterian groups that are sticking to uh their guns mm-hmm. have a lot of southern influence. Sure. In, yeah. in leading them in that way. Mm-hmm. And you have guys, you have incredible guys. Timothy Keller? Yeah. Kevin DeYoung? Mhm. Um who else? Uh Ligon Duncan? Ligon Duncan, oh man! If if you can't listen to Ligon Duncan preach, mm-hmm. oh yeah. my goodness, he's so good. Yeah, R.C. Sproul, the late R.C. Sproul, mm-hmm. right? Really great Presbyterians mm-hmm. leading the way 
Um, but again, if we're going to hyper contextualize to Canada, there's there's this really weird shift. It's different, yeah. yeah. It's different here. Yeah, so so, so just, the brethren, yeah. the brethren groups, the Anabaptist mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of it around here in our context. tons of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's that's partly because Ontario, at least in in my observation, is highly populated by English mm-hmm. and Dutch. Yeah. And although most of the Dutch are part of the and CRC, Germans, the, the Dutch, Germans, yeah, the Dutch Reform, mm-hmm. um, there's also a lot of that German, Dutch, Anabaptist mm-hmm. that have come over as well, yeah. right? Um, the Brethren groups always sort of stuck by no senior pastor, mm. right? Just led by the elders who take mm-hmm. turns preaching. All that. That's shifting. Yep. I interviewed with groups, a, yeah. I interviewed with a couple of brethren churches who were wanting to become more baptistic. Mm-hmm. Um and I I turned them down not based on theology, interestingly enough. Interesting. Yeah. Because we were pretty in step. Mm-hmm. Uh, I turned them down because I feel like they need if that's if they want to make those transitions, they need to make them mm. before they hire a Baptist pastor. Right. Because what I didn't want to do was to be the Baptist who came into the Brethren Church and turned it into a Feb Church. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, in a way that would be sort of like, Tim came in here and just made this what he wanted it to be instead of what it what it was. Right. Right? He's not serving the congregation. He's serving himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an accusation that every pastor runs into, mm-hmm. regardless of where they go. Mm-hmm. But the optics on this one were too accurate. Right. Yeah. Right? So I was like, you guys nail this down. Mm-hmm. Issues like church membership, things like that. Yeah, um, nail this down. Give me a call. Mm-hmm. We'll talk again. But I, I can't lead that. I'm not the right person to lead that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's a shifting thing, yeah. and and shifting more towards what we would call evangelical Baptists. S- some. Some. Yeah. And, and then there's, but again, there's this huge split. I think, yeah. I think we're watching the fissures that will eventually become a sweep of denominational splits. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, within the Anabaptist tradition, even around here, I mean, you don't have to drive that far and you get into like old order Mennonite, yep. Amish country. Like I have, I, I honestly don't know what happens in an Amish service, mm-hmm. like an old order Amish service. Right. I have no idea. Um, what I do know are, are kind of the more uh, modernized mm-hmm. variations within the Anabaptist tradition, um, and yeah, there might be, like you said, the fact that you interviewed at some and they, you know, you were on the same page doctrinally, is you know, is is kind of indi- indicative of, of one kind of swing. I think um, some of the larger, more prominent Anabaptist groups in our area have really um, got involved in, in something we talked about last week, the emergent church movement. Yeah. Um, we, we dropped Bruxy's name. He was part of the brethren in Christ, which was one of the, the largest, most prominent uh, Mennonite Mennonite background denominations mm-hmm. in our area. Uh, they changed it to be in Christ kind of distancing themselves from that, um, that, you know, you know, that idea of being brethren. Um, I mean, I think Menonaeus would be grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't want to be associated with Menno Simons would Menno not Simons, want to, yeah. Menno Simons would not want to be associated with stuff going on there. Yeah. And so, and that's, that's pretty common, right? Like that's, uh, you know, and I, I, I have, 
people that I, I, you know, met through school or whatever who, you know, happen to be part of these churches. And yeah, it's very, uh, it's just very different, very, very different now than, you know, what it, what it started as. And, um, and, and I think, you know, across the board, the, the, you know, the way things are done is going to have changed dramatically. I mean, the way we do things is dramatically different than the way mm-hmm. the early Baptists did. What we believe isn't as right. much, right? There's not as big of a shift there. Um, whereas, you know, in a lot of these brethren churches, there really, really is. Right. And the biggest issue seems to be the authority of Scripture. Yeah. Right? Like, this is this is liberal theology 101. Yeah. It is, at this point, more than a hundred-year-old debate. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, it has already formed and fractured a number of groups. We don't have to go into it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there are episodes on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as those groups have become normalized and spread out, as those groups have planted some deeper roots, mm-hmm. um, other people are kind of looking into it. And, yeah. and this is what is... This is the state of the Brethren Church, which mm. <clears throat> which is really weird to say because the independence and so we talk about Baptist autonomy in Baptist mm. circles, right? Like mm-hmm. each church governs itself and we're only a part of a group because mm-hmm. we choose to Brethren churches traditionally mm-hmm. are way more hardcore than that. Even more so in that regard. Right? Yeah. Even if you wanted to say, Hey, let's get together and see what we can do together that we couldn't do independently, traditionally a brethren church would be like, no. <laughs> we're good so like an association of brethren churches right, is right. peculiar right a brethren pastor is peculiar right right historically yeah these things are are very modern shifts that are still shifting mm-hmm. but this rejection of the authority of scripture uh and seeing it more as a suggestion as mm-hmm. a as a prompt for a ted talk right rather than an exposition mm-hmm. of scripture as a sermon right um, is is a pretty modern shift mm-hmm. in what has been more traditionally a pretty steady group mm-hmm. um, I I would love like you said you don't know what goes on in an Amish or old order Mennonite service I'd love to be able to get a mm-hmm. some sort of take mm-hmm. on how those things are going. Yeah, you right? might have is, a hard time. It might be in German, though. So. <laughs> is, it's true. Right. <laughs> is, there, is there a shift there, mm. or are they still staying right. pretty much where they were from the beginning? Right. Because um, it'd be weird if people driving yeah. around in horse and buggies were also getting into liberal theology. It would be. But you never know. But stranger things have happened. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Like I'm just, yeah, I'm genuinely curious. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. So. This is, what, this is the world we live in. Brethren, we we kind of skipped. This is very localized. CRC. Oh, like Dutch Reformed. Yeah, the Dutch yeah, Reformed, the groups. Continental Reformed, or you know whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, those groups. They're they well locally. They've had some. They've there's been divisions, mm-hmm. divisions and restructuring in Canada. I think kind of the the Dutch Reformed. There was a time where the Dutch Reformed group groups who were coming into Canada were kind of this monolithic thing. And that's not the case anymore. Now you've right. kind of got like half a dozen Dutch reform denominations that are kind of, um, I guess, across the spectrum on, on various things. Well, but they're not really across the spectrum. They're across one half of the spectrum. You've kind of got, you know, this the CRC is actually the the most liberal 
of right. the group, but they're not yep. that liberal. They've just kind of there's a couple issues where there's a couple issues where certain groups have have kind of uh, taken a more culturally uh, trying to be more culturally sensitive than biblically accurate mm-hmm. on issues of like gender and marriage and that sort of thing. Um, so because of that, then you have these other degrees of like how conservative are you going to get and how Calvinistic are you going to get? Like you've got, you've got some groups like the Netherlands reform, which might be accurately portrayed as, as hyper Calvinists. Um, right. I know people who grew up in those churches and that's what they would say. Calvin would have been kicked out. Yeah. Calvin, for not being Calvinistic Calvinist enough. enough. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, and then you have, you know, you have all these other, um, groups. I, I met Candace and I met a couple at a marriage conference who are part of heritage reformed, church and i'm like i don't even know what that yeah, is never heard of hrc it. joel beaky okay yeah so i was okay. like oh okay all right all right okay i i, I can that gives me a bit of a, a, a you know a starting point and yeah so they're kind of this weird halfway between you know they're more conservative than the crc but they're not you know anyways so there's all these varieties of churches but those churches to me overall are healthy um in at least in in regards to their they're like membership. Like they're mm-hmm. not dying. They're growing and planting churches. Mm-hmm. Two reasons in my mind, maybe three. They have a lot of kids. Yeah. So that helps. No, it but, does. It, but it, does. It, it does, right? Like you're replacing the people dying because mm-hmm. even if, you know, if even if two of your kids end up leaving the church, the other four stay. And since you're reformed, having kids means growing the church because they're instantly baptized into membership. They're obvious. They're, so yeah, they have to literally leave to lose their membership. Um, but they they also they do a good job of teaching their kids the faith. Yeah, they catechize their children. They use historical materials, and they're very intentional about teaching kids doctrine, so that at least they know if if one of their kids leaves the church. At least that kid is like, no, I understand what you believe, mm-hmm. and I'm leaving. Where I think a lot of a lot of young people who leave the evangelical church don't even really have any real strong grasp of doctrine whatsoever. Right. So they they do that well, and for that reason, again, I don't want to be predictive about the future, but they are they're growing. Yeah, and and even even like you mentioned the CRC, mm-hmm. and it is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Of there's a spectrum within the CRC Mm -hmm. of liberal leaning theology Mm -hmm. and more traditional Mm -hmm. theology. This past summer, there was uh, a vote on whether or not they were going to maintain their biblical position, historical biblical position Mm -hmm. on marriage and gender, Mm -hmm. uh, or whether or not they were going to start conversations about opening this up and. And saying it's up to the local church or the individuals, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Not only did they, in in a shocking way, because as this has come up in denominations, it has always fallen left. Mm-hmm. Not only did they shock the world by saying we're going to stay where we are, mm-hmm. they also in the same in the same synod mm-hmm. called a number of churches into discipline mm-hmm. for practicing outside of this teaching. Mm-hmm. So some of the churches were like, hey, we've been doing this and look, it's okay. And they said, no, it's not okay. And you're now under discipline right. for it. Right? right. So so that was that was huge. Yeah. There there's an incredible I, I don't 
I think it's TGC, the the American site, not the Canadian site. Okay. But there's a great write up about what went down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was not only shocking. The other thing that I think is, and, and this is going to lead us more into just sort of where you and I are mm-hmm. in this landscape. Mm-hmm. The other thing that seems shocking from the outside, but isn't so shocking from the inside is that those people proposing, because a lot of, a lot of people are going to be like, well, yeah, they, they shot it down this time, but next time it comes up. Right. Right. The age gap, Mm -hmm. the generational divide, because these things are, are a part of a generational divide. Mm -hmm. Whereas 50 and up are open to liberal theology and 40s and under are saying, no way. Mm-hmm. We're not having that. Yeah. And so it's, like you mentioned, missional communities around the world that are clinging and keeping that conservative position alive and a younger generation. And I, yeah. I, hope, I hope that statement shocks people in a really positive way. Yeah. Uh, because we watched it play out mm-hmm. at the CRC meeting this summer yeah. where it was noted that those who got up and spoke for adopting a new vision of marriage, gender, and sexuality all had gray hair. Mm-hmm. And those people who spoke against it were just out of seminary and young pastors mm-hmm. and, and representatives of that. Now, Calvin College mm-hmm. has come out. Calvin, if you, So here's the way CRC goes. They have a number of seminaries and Bible colleges, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if you want to be a pastor, you got to go to Calvin. Mm. That's just kind of the way it goes, mm-hmm. right? If if it, at least in our region, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, if you don't go, it's over in Michigan, right? right. If you don't go to Calvin College, who are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they've said that was a church decision. Mm. The school may not recognize that amongst their faculty and staff right and may not teach that right to which the CRC is saying oh you work for us right your job is to educate on behalf of the CRC mm-hmm. they could end up with a seminary under discipline yeah a- a- but again again here's what here's the really cool thing about that mm. that generation are the professors, right? Like the 50 and up. Mm-hmm. The older folks, yeah. Who are saying, we want to open the door on this thing and have the mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. A lot of the student body saying, no, mm-hmm. we don't want to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. That conversation has been had and it's been decided. Yeah. And, and the churches with these younger pastors who were able to hold the line are saying, no, that wasn't a church decision that constitutes you as well Mm. and in our baptist circles we're seeing we're seeing that too yeah that same kind of thing right um if i was going to say where we're at as as baptists in our context Mm we are coming to the end it seems Mm. so it seems (laughs) of the whole church growth movement Yes. Emergent church, mm-hmm. uh, dabblings inside the mm-hmm. Baptists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, are there still some 
big names out there doing the emergent church thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Elevation Church right. is still doing its thing. Mm-hmm. They're still pumping out the music that people are singing and their pastor is still getting sound bites all over social media right. and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Like it, it's not to say that those things are gone. No. Right. But there is, there's this hunger for substance mm-hmm. and real things mm-hmm. outside of ourselves mm-hmm. in a younger generation that is just really strong. Yeah. And, um, and so the purpose-driven churches mm-hmm. and, and the leadership who is really into, like, what does your pastor need to be reading? He needs to be reading... Mm. Is it Max Licato that writes all the leadership books? Oh, he's one or of Maxwell. Them. Oh, John C. Max. I get I get those two confused. Maxwell and Max Licato. Oh, I think it's Maxwell. Anyway, Max Licato does like a lot of kids stuff, but he's also written other stuff too. Tim Elmore is not me, but also a big leadership guy. Oh, I always have to <laughs> nice. remind people that that's not me. Actually, interesting. Um, <laughs> but awesome. but sort of in that same church growth leadership yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, Andy Stanley. Right. Right. Like that group. Rick Warren, Bill Hybels, guys we talked right, about in the church growth stuff. That yeah. group is is fading out and their influence mm-hmm. is fading out. Mm-hmm. And guys just aren't reading that stuff anymore. Yeah. Like pastors my age and younger aren't into that. Mm-hmm. Right. The YRR mm-hmm. is maturing into being the pastors and not the angry associate pastors <laughs> who are cage staged. <laughs> and. Yeah. And there's a, a shift towards orthodoxy, mm-hmm. even to the point that in November, the Feb voted to revisit its statement of faith. Mm. In this climate, that's a terrifying thing. Right. The purpose of revisiting the, the mission statement isn't reconsidering. Mm-hmm. It's shoring up and doubling down. Yeah. It's making it more robust in some regards. Right. Right. And so, man, I, I think we're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think we're not standing on shaky ground in a way that some, mm-hmm. that culture might assume. Mm-hmm. People look and they're like, oh, well, will the millennials and the, the Gen Z push us further down the liberal? In some ways, but those who are not with us never were. Yeah, like they might push culture in that direction. The, mm-hmm. the difference is like, again, this is the this is the, the generational difference that, and not that all you know baby boomers were in church, but but more were mm-hmm. greater percentage were right, and there was space in previous decades. There was space for the church within culture and society. And sure, they had their disagreements about certain things, but but you could have, you could be a Christian and your voice within the community, within society, could be appreciated, respected, whatever. Mm-hmm. For my, like in my lifetime, that's not the case. Like people hate what I believe. Now it doesn't mean that I, like right. I don't have positive relationships with people in the community. I do. But like, but they hate what I believe. And they don't want to hear my opinion on things. There are certain issues they do not want my take on because they find it abhorrent. And so I have no, for me, like I have no, there's no inclination for me or desire to try 
do I want to see them come to Christ? Yes, of course. But like, I'm not going to change what I believe to appeal to the tastes of non-believers because mm-hmm. there's a sharp contrast there. Right. Right. And so, and that's just true for young people in the church. Like if they weren't all in, they're gone. Right. I heard, I heard Mark Dever talk about this in 2018. He, he was addressing T4G mm-hmm. together for the gospel. Um, and, and what he, what he said was the church always had a place in Western society because what everyone could agree on was even if I don't participate, even if I don't agree, at least I can notice that the church is moral mm-hmm. and they promote morality. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing, mm-hmm. right? You're a pastor. You're a good guy. You promote morality. Sure, I should be more like you, even if I don't really want to be. Mm-hmm. And and that society always recognized the church as having a high level of morality. And even if we don't like it, we can still acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. But that has shifted where now the church is immoral, mm-hmm. according to society. Mm-hmm. And what we believe makes us immoral. Mm-hmm. And so now, rather than being the voice of morality, mm-hmm. we are the voice of, in their minds, mm-hmm. hatred, mm-hmm. exclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for that, it's, it's an entirely different world, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we live in a time where you don't need to change what you believe you might reconsider how you say it. Right. There's no way that a pastor can presume that people understand. I think 20 years ago, you could have been like, well, yeah, but, Mm. and people have been like, yeah, 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 I know, I know. Mm -hmm. I think now they'd be like, no, no, you're wrong. Right. And you're the problem. Hmm. Hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think too, the, the whole morality question I think that's that's caused because there was a time when, you know, the church the church's teaching lined up with the morality of the culture even if many people in the culture weren't part of the church. It formed it. Right, right. It, so, yeah. I think that's caused uh, a crisis in some older church members. Oh yeah. Be, and because they're saying, "Well, why are we holding to these things if everyone agrees that they're not good? These are these are bad bad opinions to hold to, mm-hmm. right? Like why is like, you know, if people on TV and people on the radio and my nieces and nephews and everyone, you know, everyone else is saying like, these are, these are hateful and wrong things to think. Why do we, why do we hold them to it? And it's caused, you know, and so like the, the conversations I've had with people kind of pointing them towards, you know, a biblical perspective on gender and sexuality, they're all retired. Yeah, it's true. I don't like that like amongst our young adults and young families, like they're, they're there. They, they're, they have that biblical view for the most part. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions, but like, I don't have those hard chats with young people. I have those hard chats with older people, yeah, which and- is fine. And I'm happy to have them and, and walk with people through the, through those difficult things. But I think, I think it's, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head to say like, it's because of their experience of the relationship between Christianity and culture was just very different than it is for young people today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I think 
And, and this is not, again, we have to disclaimer this thing because someone's going to be listening and being like, how dare he, right? How like you say that? Yeah. Right? You're, you're all for the young people and you hate the old people, but I can come up with right an, an example that shows the opposite, right? Mm, sure. We're talking in sweeping generalizations, yeah. right? From our own ex- personal experience. There are, there are so many people who have been holding down the fort that are the giants whose shoulders we stand on. Oh yeah. Right. For sure. Um, so these are, these are sweeping generalizations, Mm -hmm. but the lockstep that culture and the church walked in morality Mm -hmm. when culture decided to walk out of step. Yeah. It it threw the church Mm -hmm. and the church is struggling with it Mm -hmm. right now. Um, I, I think it will be the battle moving forward. Mm hmm. Um, will continue to be. I think we are going to see more and more. Well, I'm getting into gonna seeds, aren't I? Mm-hmm. It, it is the battle that we're in, right? How do how do we speak to culture mm-hmm. that hates us? Right. It's not the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what the the first century church was in, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Rome hated the ethic and morality mm-hmm. of Christianity. Right. Right. Christendom, if you want to throw it all the way back mm-hmm. and blame everything on Constantine, <laughs> Christendom changed that sure. and made it the narrative of the West. Mm. And that had a good long run. Yeah. 1,500 years mm-hmm. that ran. Mm-hmm. And it ran out. Yeah. And we're back in the persecution mm-hmm. that Jesus told us to expect right and so in, in some ways in some ways i struggle with groups mm. and and this is coming full circle right yeah i struggle with hearing people say these these changes whether they be political leaders or cultural leaders or whatever mm. are costing us what we have known mm. because they're moving away from biblical morality. Mm-hmm. In some ways, yes, but if their purpose was not in an acknowledgement of Christ as their Lord mm. and the Bible is truth, mm. then they were just playing along anyway. Right. I, I think what they're doing is they're ushering us into the anticipation that Jesus required of us when he said if they hate you it's because of me mm-hmm. they don't know me mm-hmm. right and and that's where that's where when the battle today i mean 2020 just like yeah. stuck a fuse in this thing and lit it right yeah for sure when people say what we have to do is change the way politicians vote mm. and the media represents society I can't get on board with that. Right. I can't get on board with that because they don't they don't hate my code of morality. Mm. They hate my Christ. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because they don't know him. Right. The answer is not to teach them my code of morality. The answer is to teach them Christ. Mm-hmm. To mm. introduce them to Christ and let the Holy Spirit affect their vote and their sure. voice. Yeah. Right? That's the issue that's at hand. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wonder, 
I wonder if the the fact that the church growth movement didn't really have boundaries when it came to liberal versus conservative theology. Mm. I wonder if we have a a sweep of a couple of decades where we got so into church growth, we forgot about discipleship. Mm-hmm. At least, at least it wasn't as strong as it should have been, mm. and so we don't have the biblical literacy and theological uh, foundations mm. that some churches needed. Mm-hmm. or believers individually needed to stand on mm-hmm. to hold through this kind of a storm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are, we are definitely outsiders in our culture. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's tricky, man. Like, so the conversation that you and I were having before we hit the record button was kind of in regards to um, the, vari- the the kind of the two differing responses to, well, COVID kind of, started started it and brought it into the limelight but you know the relationship that the church ought to have with the governing authorities and what what is the like what degree of authority does the government have over the church mm-hmm. right what is reasonable where do you draw the line and and what is that right and there's a tricky tricky thing to deal with especially early on because there were so many unknowns, there were so many, un, you know, this was so unprecedented, and whatever. And and I I'm I'm firmly like, I I believe that we need to have grace for people, and you know, for a lot of our listeners, especially the people in our church, like we did close during lockdowns. Like we have to, I think we have to have grace for people who didn't, and I think people who didn't close down definitely need to have more grace for people who did, because I've heard some pretty terrible things come out of their mouths but what it's kind of ballooned into is you have this kind of these two even within the more like conservative evangelical christianity in our own backyard in the province of ontario or this part of canada you kind of have two differing views on on this and and one is you know and i'm care i'm you know, this is a caricature of both, obviously. Mm-hmm. But one is kind of like, well, roll over because it's Rom- Romans 13 and like whatever the government wants to do, just do it. And so they say, shut your doors, shut your doors. If they say, do this, do this. And because because ultimately it's really just about saving lives and what happens in culture and society doesn't really matter. That's an oversimplification and, and, and I get that, but like, I just, I can't get down with that. Like, I just like, no, because I think that I think there's more to it than that. But then you have this other group, the alternative group are just like, man, they are just turned up to 11 on every social issue, on every political conversation. And like, you know, and it's, and, and like you said, like it's, it's going to be, it's all about like changing the way that, you know, members of parliament vote or whatever. And, and, you know, extremely critical, even, even hateful um, of, you know, of, of, Christian brothers who just aren't on the same page on on all of these issues, right? There was a recent documentary that came out that really like took took a bunch of heritage professors to task and, you know, over things, you know, kind of like grabbing sound bites of things that they'd said or whatever and saying like, look how, look how terrible they are because they succumb to the pressure of the government. It's like, well, I don't want to get down with that either. And I just, I just don't know where the, the middle ground is, man. And like, I'm yeah. just speaking from the heart here. And this is kind of what I shared with you before. And I don't have an answer to that, but I just feel like, I feel like we need a bit more backbone, 
but we also don't need to die on every hill. And so I just want, I just want for that. I, I feel like I need that. And I don't, I just don't see that. And I don't know. I don't know. That's where I'm at. Like I'm torn because I got friends in both camps. I got people I love in both camps. And you know, I got, I got guys who were in that documentary saying, you know, saying hurtful things about professors at my seminary that I also love. Right. Mm -hmm. And everybody's angry at each other. Right. And everybody, you know, leaves no, no space for figuring this thing out. And I just can't help but wonder like, maybe, maybe we're, maybe we're both wrong a little bit and maybe, and maybe the, the ideal is somewhere in the middle. Um, and I'm just waiting for somebody to have that, have that opinion. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, this is to me is the difficulty of pastoring in the immediate moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Not usually when we say, well, pastoring in this time, we, we mean like the decades or whatever. Right. Today. Right now. Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, the difficulty is, is finding, finding this place. Um, in the same way, right? Like this podcast is going to be shared on the mm-hmm. Gospel Coalition of Canada. Yeah. Who was also in that documentary. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Right? As as a wrong thing. Yeah, they were targeted for sure. Um and and so what we're seeing is guys who would have 3 4 years ago had walked alongside each other. Mm-hmm. Right? Would have said we don't agree 100%, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Everything we disagree on is tertiary. Mm-hmm. And our churches would fellowship. I would have spoken at their place. They would have spoken at my place, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um, hold on, I'm getting a, I'm getting the phone call. What? This time Someone's calling Tim on my computer. There you go. Um, so those um, those things are coming to a place of division, mm-hmm. and and it it really feels. Man, in some ways, I'm really glad we did the history podcast. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a behind-the-scenes thing. This is mm. sort of the way that we do the whole mentor thing, you and I. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I feel like we're really in uncharted territory mm-hmm. historically. I don't think there's a historical moment we can really go to and say it's like it was like this mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And how do we reference that for good or bad? Right. 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 And the reason is, I said it's like Rome where we're at odds with the cultural standard Mm -hmm. of the day, but it's not like Rome Mm -hmm. because the cultural standard, the moral standard of Christianity was new on the scene. Mm -hmm. Rome didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And Justin writes his letters to say, let me explain we're in a place now where the reason we're opposed is because they do understand it. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, we've, we've heard this long enough mm-hmm. and we're walking away from it. Right. So the apologetic of, no, you just don't know what I believe mm. doesn't hold the same weight mm-hmm. that it would have held for Polycarp, Justin or origin sure. in the very beginning when they mm-hmm. were doing their apologetics. Um, and, and the expectation, the expectation that, uh, society needs to go back to that Mm. is something that no group has ever dealt with before in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's uncharted territory. 
and how do we lead in that? The, the, other, the other issue is these internal fights, these internal struggles are not theological, mm. which is what almost everything that we've discussed to this point has been. Mm. It's where the church fits in society. Yeah. I mean, it is... It is, I see, I, I would say it is theological to a degree. So right? the answer to that has to be theological. Right. Where do we fit into society? Mm-hmm. But the pressures, the pressures are not internal. The pressures are external mm-hmm. and causing people to respond right. in different ways. Right. Right. And, and so that's another thing that I see that I, I can't really grab in my head a, a point and say the Reformation. Yeah. But even that was you know, about a Catholic dominance and saying, Mm -hmm. no, this is the teaching of Scripture that we're going to, or not teaching of Scripture, but the teaching of the Church that we're going to push forward, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than Mm -hmm. just, no, we are secularly dominant in Mm -hmm. society. Mm -hmm. Um, In in the current moment, more in -hmm. Canada and Europe, maybe than parts of the U.S., the southern U.S., for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these these things create this really peculiar place uh, for us to minister in because we're watching our own camps divide mm-hmm. over this. Mm-hmm. Um, that documentary was foolish mm-hmm. and wrong on so many levels, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, they just need to crank everything up to 11 yeah. and explode on everything. Yeah, everything is a life or death question. Yeah. Right. And and the way that they they called out pastors as just being like a part of the secularization of the church and everything. Right. Allies with Antichrist. Is essentially what, what they were what they were saying. Right? I know. Right. I know. And <laughs> and that's not even essentially, that's actually what they were saying. Yeah. That's right. That's like their argument. Yeah. That's the title yeah. of the documentary. Yeah. Um and, and they just they just didn't have the grace to listen. Mm-hmm. to another person's perspective and mm-hmm. realize that someone might have a different perspective. Yeah. There was just no grace in it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it creates a weird spot for us because when people don't have that kind of grace, mm. then when you say, well, no, I'm going to approach this with a little bit of grace and mm-hmm. hear from a little bit of everyone mm-hmm. as I walk through this, you can get shoved aside by both groups really quickly. Yeah. And be put in this really weird and lonely spot. It, mm-hmm. I found that. I found that in the classroom yeah. like at, at Heritage because the conversation came up in our pastoral theology discussion about about things that happened in 2020. And I kind of shared, you know, my personal feelings and experiences of, of where it was at and kind of, you know, pushed back against the, well, you know, the government rightly had the authority to close churches. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I'm like, I just don't know. I'm like, I don't know if I'm there. I don't, I don't know if I'm there. And, but, but then the prof who was one of the guys attacked in this documentary assumed that I was all with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're one of those guys who thinks I'm this and you think, no, 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 I'm not there. I just, I'm just not, I just, I'm just thinking these things through, working these things out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and those guys might have a couple good points, but then it's also packaged along with all this other just, you know, hype and, and vitriol and, you know, anger. I like, and so, man, it's, it's a, it's a lonely place. Uh, you know, this it is, is, but, but I don't know that that's a negative spot. Right. And the reason I say that is you attach yourself to a bigger ship. Mm. It is going to lead you. 
right where where it wants to go mm-hmm. and if it goes down mm-hmm. and you're tied on yeah, you're, you're going, going down right um this isn't about self-preservation mm-hmm. it's about being in a healthy confident mm-hmm. place where you can say i don't know hmm. i'm working it out yeah right there's there is wisdom aged and matured in being able to say, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. I think this. Yeah. Or I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but this is the decision I'm I'm gonna make. Yeah. Right. Making decisions from that point does make for lonely work. Mm-hmm. You know, just throwing things things back, like that must have been what guys felt like when everything went liberal or fundamentalist. Right. Right? We're on, there are only two positions, and you've got to be all in one side or the other, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and I think there's, I think within our own camp, there's a lot of that going on right now. Yeah, um, we're gonna get we get pegged because this podcast gets hosted by a group mm-hmm. who gets pegged. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that I agree with everything that TGC posts. Mm-hmm. To be fair, TGC doesn't uniformly agree with everything that's posted. There's yeah. some stuff that goes up that's just There's a variety. part of the conversation. Yeah, right? for sure. For sure. It's a platform. Um, yeah. In fact, in fact, there was a great there was a great debate between Paul Carter and Paul Martin. A debate, a conversation mm-hmm. maybe four years ago, five years ago, about children's ministry hmm. at the church. Both of them are board members mm-hmm. for the Gospel Coalition mm-hmm. and Friends. Right. They see it differently. Yeah. They had the discussion publicly. Yeah. Right. So one of them obviously as a board member didn't agree with what was posted, right? Uh but it does tag, mm-hmm. right? I had someone call me during the lockdowns and mm-hmm. say, Hey, I know that this is true. I can understand why you would be afraid to say it, afraid of losing your job. <laughs> if if you want, I'll say it for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, brother, couple of things. One, I'm not trying to be a maverick or bravado. I'm not afraid to say right. anything that I think is true. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm more afraid of being lumped in with those priests from Jeremiah that bandage lightly the wounds of his people, saying, peace, mm-hmm. peace, when there is no peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're off on that. Mm. Secondly, you're just wrong about your assessment, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like what you're calling the end of the world is is not. Mm-hmm. the end of the world right right um and up until that point we had a decent enough relationship mm-hmm. after that wanted nothing to do with me mm-hmm. and i was thrown into this world in his eyes of mm-hmm. these guys who who come in uh saying the right things but really have a liberal theological agenda right. uh which could not be further from the truth <laughs> right right <laughs> And and so this right. this issue of cancel culture, we're just getting canceled by everybody, mm-hmm. left and right in this moment. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of shift taking on right now. Pastors call it the Great Migration, mm-hmm. right? People leaving churches to go to churches. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to guys who have had people leave for the mm-hmm. same reasons other people have come. Right. Right. Not to say, well, like I wanted to be, let's just take an easy one. I wanted to be a part of a church that, that closed because ours wouldn't, and I wasn't on board with that. 
And so some left because you closed, some came because you closed, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but not even that. But to be like, this person is teaching this, mm. and I'm not down with that, but you're teaching this, even though it's the same thing, and so I'm here, right? Like, there's just this, <laughs> this big unrest and shuffling of the order. Right. Churches aren't now what they were three years ago. No. As far as the people that are there. Yeah. Um, in some ways, it's pretty. In, in some ways, there's health to that. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the discussion beforehand were, how do you get out of these things that have just been perpetuated because mm. we just keep doing them and keep doing them. No one wants to call it quits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But why are we doing this yeah. thing? COVID provided an out. It did. For a lot of people. It did. Uh, it hit the reset button, mm-hmm. which is also a trigger word um, mm. for some of these people. <laughs> the concept of reset. <laughs> the great reset. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's true. No, I know. I know. I know. I know. This, I, this is what people need to know. know. There is literally nothing we can say <laughs> about pastoring in our current context that isn't a trigger for somebody. For somebody. Yeah, for somebody on either on right. either end of the spectrum or anywhere in between. So, like, we're throwing this out there just one just knowing asking for angry emails. knowing that we really only have two listeners right <laughs> that's true <laughs> we haven't talked about our two listeners but at this point <sighs> both of them are yelling at us yes for different right? reasons like, i can't believe <laughs> right i can't believe that you're that person right right and <laughs> that's that's where society is at mm-hmm. and the church has just run with it <laughs> and and yeah. so we words the way that you would use just regular words mm-hmm it's loaded. Yeah. I, I feel this. The other day, I caught myself praying this way. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of a service, closing in prayer, mm-hmm. editing my prayer in my head as I was going through, you know, trying to say things differently. And I was like, Tim, just pray. And if someone has a problem with it, you'll deal with it later. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely don't care. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you have to. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just lose access to people, mm-hmm. right? These people still need pastors. Right. They still, and you still need that access mm-hmm. to them. Right. And so maybe it doesn't change what you would have said, but mm. maybe it changes how you would have said it. Mm. But if you do that, you're just participating with the Antichrist, right? <laughs> and, and you're a part of that group. No room for nuance. <laughs> There's no room. There's no space. Oh. I, I think I think pastoring right now is pastoring in a minefield. Yeah. And you yeah. just know any step, you, it's just about where you're going to see the damage and how you're going to manage it. Right, right. <laughs> right? I, I'll, I'll throw this out there. Uh, it, it's not only amongst pastors, the, mm. it's amongst congregations, and maybe sure. even maybe even more mm. amongst congregation members mm. than other pastors uh, that I've seen this lack of grace. Mm. Um, had a guy come up to me Sunday after church and be like, don't ever beat yourself up. Don't ever be down. No matter what happens, we're your congregation and we have your back. <laughs> and I thought, man, I'd love for that to be true. <laughs> because these things are, are loaded even at the congregational level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not just... And, and, and I, don't think, I don't think this sort of shuffle and reset is over. Mm. I think we're going to continue to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the best thing we can do is soldier on. Mm-hmm keep doing the thing mm-hmm. and uh, and see where things fall yeah. in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the moment we're in. Mm-hmm. And 
I think even even the notion, like you mentioned, the notion of finding a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Where is middle? Maybe maybe even middle ground is reactionary. That might not even yeah. Because yeah. we we talk about you know this thing happens that's far left or far right, and then mm-hmm. we've said it a hundred times as we've gone through church history. The reactionary movement wasn't better mm-hmm. because it was trying to react. Yeah. Right? Maybe Augustine goes too far trying to correct Pelagius. Mm. Right? Mm. Um, And and things like that along the way. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm starting to wonder if even searching for a middle ground Mm. is just equally unhelpful because it's reacting to both extreme groups Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, whatever you have to say aside, Mm -hmm. this is what I, I... and scripturally yeah. convicted toward, and I'm going to do this. And mm-hmm. and if people want to be like, oh, well, you're acting more like them, and, and mm-hmm. now you're acting more like them, you don't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. I think the opposite is true, mm-hmm. right? I think if you're doing your thing, you know exactly who you are mm-hmm. and what God's called you to. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe jumping on board mm-hmm. with movements is a better expression of not knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I just try to remind myself in my interactions with people, um, you know, in my, my teaching and preaching, right. The idea of, of, you know, Christ who, who operated in grace and truth. And sometimes to some people that grace is going to seem soft Mm -hmm. and weak. And sometimes to some people that truth is going to seem harsh Mm -hmm. and divisive. Yeah. But, if I'm if I'm seeking to walk in the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, understanding that yeah, it's going to rub people, all sorts of people, wrong ways and all different ways. But I can at least you know, I'm accountable to God first and foremost, not right. the, not the pundits, hundred percent, you know, not even the congregation, and I'm I'm accountable to to Him first and foremost, and so that's what keeps me going. But uh, but it's hard, man, and it's uh, for me being new to this, this whole thing, right? Like, I mean, I was, I was at the church eight months before COVID hit, right? On I, staff. I, you on were staff, a part staff. of the church I was part years. of the church, but on staff in pastoral ministry, eight months before COVID. So I had a honeymoon for a little bit and then I don't know anything but this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't know where, I don't know. I, I yeah, I just, I, this is my, this is my experience, so I don't know. Yeah, and, and I've even heard you mention it, and and I'm I'm a so for those who don't know us personally, I'm not an old guy. I'm 43. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing this for 24 years. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good stretch. Yeah. Um. So I sort of have the experience and the background to be able to to say things a little more a little more firmly mm-hmm. and do the whole like just keep being who you are and ministering in that way and, and mm. doing it. But it's different for you, right? You've been in ministry for four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, those first four years weren't a good opportunity to get your feet under you. They were very much difficult, tumultuous mm-hmm. years to be in ministry. Uh, but you've even, you've even noted that when we get together at like pastor's lunches and stuff, like the older generation that's there talks about things in a way that's not helpful for the younger generation mm-hmm. because it's very much like, I'm glad I don't have to mess with this. 
right? <laughs> Whereas the younger guys are like, this is where I'm at and what I'm stepping into. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This will this will color and mark my entire ministry. Yeah. I got where is 40 for you, years of this. Whereas for you, someone shouted something as you were closing the door and walking out, right? <laughs> Which is a better place to be. Um, yeah. So, uh. so even measuring where we're at is going to be different for, for mm-hmm. you and I, right? Mm-hmm. Just based on where we're at in ministry. Mm-hmm. Have we rambled enough? Well, Tim, we've done what we always do. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know, that's how they close the podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right. In that case, next time we'll talk about where it's headed. Yeah, we'll, we'll put our profit hats on. It'll be fun. (laughs) Not really, but... Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada. It's produced by Alex Walker. Yes, it is. Take care. See you.